Hey everyone, this is Craig. Thank you for listening. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you how much fun we've had interacting with everyone on Facebook and on our site, thelegendariumpodcast.com. We've produced a lot of content over the last couple of years, and we're glad that we've been able to do it completely free from day one. All we ask from you is that you help us spread the word. Like us on Facebook, leave a review in iTunes, and above all, share us with your friends. Again, thank you for listening, and welcome to The Legendarium. Hi, this is Terry Brooks. You're listening to The Legendarium Podcast. You know the drill by now. Our Shannara team gets together to finish out Terry Brooks' original Shannara trilogy with The Wish Song. Enjoy! Welcome once again to the Legendarium Podcast. I am your wonderful, wonderful, and attractive host, Craig Hanks. Uh, and on my right, <laughs> hey, don't laugh. Stop it. If he wasn't here with me... Claims on this podcast are not necessarily truthful in any shape, formula, <laughs> and we're not held liable by anything that we say. <laughs> eh, okay, we'll skip that. That's the voice of Ryan Bruckman. All right. Um, and you guys, our Shannara task force is back in all its splendor. She's so tough. She killed Cecil, Cecil, the lion's brother, Garrett with her bare hands. It's Riley Butters. Yes. And I'm very proud of myself. You should be. And he once shot a man in Reno, but not just to watch him die. The dude actually owed him 20 bucks. It's Andrew Bayless. Who has actually never been to Reno, even though I am from Nevada. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Yeah. Wait, no, way to stick to that story. Yeah. That's really, really oh, okay. Sorry about that, Craig. <laughs> uh, today is uh, we're finishing up our Shannara Trilogy podcast. Uh, and, and, but before we get to that, a few, just a couple actually quick housekeeping items. Uh, the first thing is once again, want to remind all of you that we are holding our 2016 Brandon Sanderson reading challenge this year, thanks to worldswithoutend.com. So you can head to worldswithoutend.com and sign up for the reading challenge there. It's uh, 10 books long. It'll probably last 13, 14 podcasts, something like that. Uh, the challenge is actually for 13 books, but we're cheating and counting the Mistborn ones that we already read. Seems reasonable, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Seems like fine. it. Uh, mm-hmm. But so you can get there by going directly to their website, or you can head to ours, thelegendariumpodcast.com. We have a giant link to it right on the front page. Can't miss it. Uh, we would love to see all of you there uh, to read along with us. So do it. Uh, other piece of housekeeping, I mentioned this last week, and I'll probably mention it a few times between now and April. I am heading to Sweden, where, uh, unexplainably, there are many Legendarium listeners. Uh, and so my wife and I found some super cheap tickets, so off we go in April to Sweden, and I would love to meet uh, some or all of you uh, who listen to the Legendarium there. We'll have a giant... Uh, lunch together i hear i think it's on tuesdays or thursdays everybody gets together and eats pea soup and i can't remember what the other one mm. is but there's some Sounds national good. national tradition of, of pea soup uh, so we'll do that anyway uh ryan is there anything else i'm missing i don't believe so not offhand okay although any of you swedish listeners if any of you take craig i want you to know we have a special set of skills. Oh, wait. And Last <laughs> week, it was under no circumstances will we try to recover him. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> we have a special set of skills that we will not use in any shape, fashion, or form to get him back. Aye, <laughs> I feel so loved. Uh, you guys want to move on to Wish Song? Deal. Mm-hmm. All right. Wish Song of Shannara. I'll read my quick uh, two bits, my Craig's notes. Here we go. 
The Wish Song of Shannara is the third in a trilogy of somewhat loosely tied stories. Loosely tied chronologically, that is, though not in theme. In each, Alanon appears to a member of the Olmsford family and requires their aid to end some terrible evil that will snuff out all hope and happiness from the world. In each, the conflict is of apocalyptic proportions and the outcome is never much in question. The stories are in fact similar enough to be somewhat wearisome. But with the Wish Song of Shannara, Terry Brooks has finally figured it out. His education throughout the sword shows, uh, shows through as you compare its beginning to its end. His ability to give a story excitement and emotional heft starts to come through in Elfstones. Wish Song is easily the strongest of the three, though not necessarily the most exciting, which is why it is often overshadowed by Elfstones. But the fact remains that Wish Song, in Brooks's own words, finished his professional literary education. At this point, he's ready to quit his job as a lawyer and commit to writing full-time. I'm glad he did, because the next projects he released were, in a word, wonderful. If these three books gave you any inkling that you enjoy Brooks's style, you're in for a real treat as you embark on the four-volume Heritage of Shannara series and the urban fantasy of Running with the Demon, not to mention many others. But don't get me wrong, I'm always happy to go back and revisit the original Shannara trilogy, and I'm glad you all came along with us for the ride. So Ryan, are you happy that you read these books? Yes, I am happy that I read these books. Um, if nothing else, it gave me a clear view of Terry Brooks as an author, uh, when frequently you can you can gain an opinion of the man without having read his books based on what others kind of generally say. And we talked about it in the first, that he gets a... Yeah, refresh us a little bit. He gets a little bit of a bad rap for, as people say, especially in Sword of Shannara, kind of jumping on to uh, the form the formula from Tolkien and just running with that. Riding his coattails a little. Yeah, riding mm-hmm. quite a bit. Well, like you said in your review, he figures it out. He gets his own voice. He kind of works with you. And so you know that from here on out, you're going to you're not going to be having to worry about any of those issues of him writing other authors' coattails. So, and he's got a he's got a good writing style, and he's uh, he's does decent world building, and you know they're some pretty intriguing characters. So I think uh, as a whole, I'm glad I read these. Yeah. Uh, what about you guys? Uh, Riley, go. Um. Yeah, I'm definitely glad I read them. Um. I don't love them, and I think I one of the reasons is because I wish I would have had more time between each one because they are so similar that I think I would have mm-hmm. appreciated them if I would have had some time to maybe forget the the same the kind of ones. cadence sure. the same type of characters it just by the third one even though it is a better book I'm just tired and I'm like okay I get it <laughs> Alanon's like this he's going to appear to the Elmsford and they're going to come forward and they're going to go on this epic journey there's going to be two different packs of people and then there's going to be this big war I don't know I it just felt like too formulaic, I guess. So it, I'm glad I read them, but yeah. I wish I would have had more time between them because I wanted to appreciate each one for what it was. Okay, good answer. Andrew, top it. Well, I, I was actually going to say something a little bit the opposite of that. Um, despite the similarities, I felt like this one um, stood out from the other two. In, in one way, just that I feel like it's not as much a continuation of the story before as a new story that happens to be in the same world and have some of the same characters, but um, but much more than... I feel like Elfstones was a continuation of S.W.O.R.D. Uh, this one, for me, stands more... Wish Song stands more as its own 
as its own kind of story set in the same world, if that if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I really liked that about this third book. I'm glad I read all three of them. But that was it was nice to see as the you know, as the as the trilogy's being tied up to see that uh that happen. Anyway. It's it's interesting to me that we call it a trilogy because the you know, the story we don't have any of the same characters except for Alan on through the whole uh, you know, the whole trilogy. They're so set apart from each other yeah i I find it interesting that we lump them together as such uh i don't know what do you think ryan it let me ask you guys this before we get too far from that if you had to hand one of these three books to someone as a standalone Uh, which would you hand i'd probably do wish song um i think personally i like wish song the best I think others will probably like Elfstones. Just like talking with my husband, I think the demon aspect is really appealing to people. Um, for me, the I think his tone changes in Wish Song. I think it's more poetic, um, and it's a little bit more personal. And I I like a lot of the themes that kind of come out of Wish Song that I don't think are there in the other two. So I personally prefer Wish Song, but I'd probably give people Elfstones. That's a that's a great answer. I kind of feel the same way. It's like uh, it, it, it's almost like you're not ready for this. <laughs> Let's read Elfstones. Yeah. See mm-hmm. if you like his style. And if, you know, and if you do, you're, you're going to love this one. Yeah. And, uh, and I, uh, I have a confession to make. I went on with the reading after Wish Song and I've read the first few chapters of Heritage of, of Shannara, which I mentioned that mm-hmm. four volume cycle, which Ryan has finished, but not started. Yep. Uh, which is hilarious. Um, first one of his books I ever read. Was the was the book four Talisman of Shannara? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, I I went and read the first few chapters of it, and it's just so good. Uh, it's very apparent that he at this point has quit his job and knows what he's doing and has applied a lot of time and effort to, uh, you know, applying the lessons that he learned through this trilogy. So highly recommended for anybody who. Um, even if you, even if these weren't your favorite books, but you kind of liked them and you'd like to see different types of Shannara stories, uh, it's a great one. It's a, uh, Elf Queen is book two, I think, and is probably my favorite of all the books he's ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, we mentioned writing Tolkien's coattails. Uh, I have a question for you guys. Is the Ildatch the one ring? Hmm. Yeah, I could see the parallels you would draw on that. So it's, the Ildatch, it's an inanimate object that's so full of the, the malice of its creators that it becomes sentient, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. uh, plus it seduces Brynn in the end and she can't complete her quest without the assistance of her, her Sam, which is Jer, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just saw a few things. Yeah, there, there are some parallels. The, the one big difference that just comes to mind right away is that with the one ring, Frodo has to carry it across all of Middle Earth, mm-hmm. right? Where with the Ildat, she's just going to it, mm-hmm. and she only really has to deal with its direct influence for a chapter or two at the yeah. end, you know. And that's, I do <laughs> see the similarities, you know. It, and it and it did feel kind of the same, like this whispering voice in your mind saying, mm-hmm. like, you can have all the power in the world <laughs> if you just use me, you know. And uh, yeah, that definitely is very similar. But that a big part of the story of. Uh, of the Lord of the Rings is, is the carrying of the ring from one place to another. Yeah. So I, that's probably the biggest difference between them. That would really change that story. If Frodo just had to go in and like kick over a pedestal. 
<laughs> I will go to Mount Doom and I will kick over the pedestal. Um, the other object that reminded me of the One Ring was the Sword of Lee, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite uh, objects in the whole series. Oh, and, yeah. it, and it shows up for a long time in the future. The Sword mm-hmm. of Lee is not going away, nor is the Wish Song. So mm-hmm. if you like those things, keep going. Cool. Uh, but the Sword of Lee, uh, every time Roan uses it, he, you know, mm-hmm. he gets this surge of power and gets mm-hmm. addicted to it, right? So that kind of well, reminds me of it. Well, notices that, and yeah. she's like, what's going to happen to him? Like, I can already see him changing when he mm-hmm. uses that power. Into a ring wraith. Yeah, or something like that. Lamest family war cry. Lee! 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 <laughs> I'd be like, dude, you're good. Just, just go. <laughs> you can stop you're that. You're good. <laughs> just kill me. <laughs> just, just stab me right now. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the similarities, obviously, between the Ildatch and the One Ring is that with the end of the Ildatch, it all ends. And I I didn't actually catch on to that reading the other two, that there might be something that's going to come back and bring back the evil. I, I probably should have assumed that. But when I read Rush, Wish Song, I was like, oh, of course there's a book. And of course they can <laughs> learn this magic again. And so once that's destroyed, it's all over. And so I think that's a huge similarity. But it's a good one. I think yeah. that needed to happen. There's a And there's a point where when Alanon is, spoiler alert, dying, uh, he tells Bryn, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it open in front of me, but he tells her that pretty soon magic will vanish from the forelands. Mm-hmm. You know, stop using the, the wish song when this quest is completed because magic no longer has any place here once mm-hmm. evil is vanquished. Uh, but again, sorry, going back to the Lord of the Rings, one of the great lessons of that book and one of the great lessons of, of all fantasy and, uh, and and all literature, maybe, is that evil never really dies. Mm-hmm. It's a constant struggle. You always have to fight against it. There will always be uh, there will always be a struggle with evil, right? And so, if only in the hearts of men. <laughs> wow, nice. Yeah, you should like cross that. stitch that on a pillow. I probably, really should. Should. <laughs> I probably should. Evil never dies. It will always be there. If only in the hearts of men. Or Craig probably, can cross stitch it. You could probably you. sell that on Etsy for a pretty yeah. penny. That's trademark now, so trademark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put the trademark on that. That's the official <laughs> way to do it. On the world. get on a podcast and That's just right. say trademark. That's, right. That's uh, right. Now I've got a few other bullet points, but I want to shoot it to you guys. What do you have to to mention to talk about? One thing I want to talk about, because um, this was a theme I brought up in the first book, and since I wasn't here for the second, I don't kind of know how the conversation went with this. What, you didn't listen to us? I know. We are so <laughs> engaging, though. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to be a surprise. Um, I really think he, I wouldn't say nailed it, if that's the term we want to use, but he got much better with Bryn. Um Amber Lee, sorry, Amber Lee, I pronounced her name wrong the whole time I read this book (laughs) and it was annoying. I don't, I don't think he got the woman character and it really frustrated me through Elfstones. Well, she wasn't a woman. She was an elf. (laughs) She was was a child, basically. A (laughs) she-elf, a a young (laughs) she-elf, you know, so. She's not an elf, not yet a woman. Exactly. exactly, Well, there you go. And, And that's how he painted her and it was really frustrating. But with Bryn... I thought his use and kind of characterization of her, I was like, okay, he's gotten better, and I'm okay with this. As a feminist, mm-hmm. I'm okay with Bryn mm-hmm. and his characterization of her. Mm-hmm. Because like, there's one specific point that I wanted to bring out, is that when Alan is talking about her role in all of this, he kind of leaves it up to her and allows her... It's like the adult move. It's like 
you know, you have this power and I want you to use it in the best way that you can. And it wasn't like Will's just kind of there to protect her, like Amberly. It was just like, you got this. Like, you're the woman and it's like your power as opposed to like just kind of this person following Will around and it's like, mm. okay, in the end, this will be your thing. But we're just going to kind of keep you in the dark. I just liked, I felt like Bryn had more power and Ryan is a, knew that. Ryan is about to straight up skull bearer laser beam <laughs> eyes all over you. No, no, no. I I partially agree and partially disagree with that sentiment uh, because she is not Amberly in the sense of just following Will around and just, you know, kind of stumbling through. But I don't think Alanon gave her a choice in the way in, in any way other than the lip service like a parent gives a child to determine whether they're going to the store with them or not. He never gives any of them. He says, you have to do this and you'll figure it out as soon as you grow up and, and realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, he never really gives her that choice. And for a good portion of the book, I would say at least half, um, she's kind of, she goes through and is, I don't want to say kicking and screaming because that's not the right phrase, uh, that it, but she is not, she's not committed to the quest yet. Bryn, you mean? Bryn. Yeah. And I like that, though, because she... So, yeah, the you're reluct- right. The reluctant I think hero, right? Mm-hmm. I misspoke. Yeah, I don't know necessarily that he gives her the option, um, but I felt like she was a stronger character. It's, oh, she's absolutely so a stronger she, character I think Amber Lee. Amber Lee just drove me crazy because I was just like, girl, stand up Although, for yourself. Do something. Hang on. <laughs> Until her final decision... Exactly. Until I, her final decision, Amber Lee is pretty much letting the world act upon her. Yes, it's so Bryn annoying. is not, like, that's one thing that I can I can say that, yeah, she's absolutely taking the control and saying, wait, no, I'm not going to let you do what you did to everyone else. I will determine whether yeah. or not this. And Alanon goes along and says, yeah, well, as soon as you figure it out, you'll go. And then when she makes the decision later on that she realizes, you know what, I do have to do this, but I don't have to endanger other people as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. And she takes off on her own into the male morgue and stuff like that. Like, that's... That's showing to me uh, the the stronger character that she she could be. But the first half of the book, I was kind of like, yeah. do we have to deal with another Olmsford whining about mm-hmm. the about going on a quest with Alanon? Do I really have to go save the world? Oh, <laughs> I just wanted to stay home. This is so annoying. You're right. Alanon wouldn't I, have given her that choice. Like that's who Alanon was, and that's kind of the theme in mm-hmm. this whole series is that the Olmsford have to go, and it's not really their choice until the very end. Yeah. But I just felt the character in and of herself was yeah. better. And she she had more like oomph to her. And I was like, okay, yeah, go Bryn. Uh, can, I, can I point to an episode in the book that I think might give us that impression? Yeah. The uh, name, Gr- the Grimpund. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mm-hmm. remember that? Uh, the kind of like weird shade that's mm-hmm. kind of like the Druids, but not. Um, she goes and sees the Grimpund and... And does it, 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 does it, it actually her, live in a pond? It's I like the, it grim the grim pond that yeah. lives in a pond Listen, or something. <laughs> don't ask questions. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm just saying, I actually think that's cool. So like <laughs> yeah. he's one with the pond, there so, you like go. this evil pond. Anyway. Um, anyway, but he tells her uh, point blank, this quest will claim your life and the lives of those you love. Mm-hmm. And she goes ahead with it anyway. That would take a pretty... You know that that's a that's a pretty fierce character. So in defense of what you guys are saying, yeah, she's yeah. she's 
pretty strong. Well, what I like about her too. Now, this maybe this is just me, but okay. So, so going back to Amberly and Elfstones, she's like she's your cliche female character. Mm-hmm. She's all about like nurturing, and she has the seed of life, and she's the only one who can like bring you know nurture the world back to life through her magical elven nature powers, right? And then you get Bryn, who's like, oh, you are the dark child of destruction. <laughs> you know, like, and, and everybody you know is going to die. And she's like, okay, well, let's do this anyway, you know, because we got to mm-hmm. save the world. And that's, that's kind of what I liked about it is uh, I, I thought she was more interesting in that sense. And the like, I'm, you know, nurturing is cool, carrying seed of life, whatever. That's cool, you know. But it's just so, I feel like it's so overdone with female characters that it was kind of fun to see like a destructive evil dark female character who wasn't your villain right at the exactly right at the right at the end when she became that and you kind of got inklings of that as we went along every time she used the wish song that she's like oh i just used the wish song and killed somebody and i kind of liked it you know (laughs) and you're like oh interesting you know so Uh, he does such a better job in this book than through the other two of drawing these characters and i i think of roan lee i think of jer think of slanter and garrett jacks garrett jacks how cool is that guy yeah he's totally Uh, but he he really uh, is starting to develop a knack now for uh drawing uh not just believable but varied characters Mm -hmm. that uh that we can you know that somebody can find or sorry anybody can find somebody to identify with yeah uh, right so who do who did you guys identify with the most the evil soul-sucking uh brin <laughs> the male mord <laughs> <laughs> i i really like garrett jacks i mean he was yeah. cool i so this is maybe betraying my nerd a little bit but there's this series called heroes where there's this guy who's like an immortal sword master and i pictured garrett jacks as this guy uh, it's a it's a tv series not a book series but i peer i pictured garrett Ga- jacks as this like immortal sword wielding like I mean, he is. He's a weapons master who just can't die no matter what. And uh, you know, I'm not the I'm not the punching guy. I, I've I've never been into that stuff as much. But I thought he was really cool. It was just like, oh well, he's a good guy to have around. Was was he? Is it because he was fighting for a purpose? Even if that purpose was, I need to find my equal. I I think it was more that like regardless of his purpose, you just couldn't kill him. You know, like whenever there was a battle, you just knew, oh, Jer- uh, Garrett Jax is going to be fine, and anybody who's close to him, if they're on his side, they're going to be fine. If they're on the <laughs> other side. They gonna be dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I thought that was really cool. So nice accent, by the way. Thank you. That yeah. was my southern <laughs> accent. <laughs> uh, Riley Ryan, what'd you guys think? I I quite liked Slanter. I, myself. Liked, I was just mm-hmm. gonna say Slanter. Uh, Slanter my is favorites. Slanter is a, a somewhat um, boisterous yet curmudgeonly mm. uh, gnome, which really reminds me of myself. <laughs> if you think about it. So. Oh, well, you said it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, what do you guys think of him? Well, Slanter is one of my favorite characters. I don't know if he's the one I relate to most, uh, but I think the reason why he's one of my favorites is simply because he's the character that, despite the inconvenience or anything, you, he's doing the right thing, even though the weight isn't on his shoulders to do it. He, um, could, he could go at any time, and, yeah, he could and it wouldn't be that big a consequence. The quest would still be on, and everything, but knowing what he could do to ease the burden, knowing what he could do to help Jer, just because he liked him. Mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's the sort of person that we all, if you have someone like that in your life, you're like, I want to keep that person in my life because I know that they genuinely care, even if they're, you know, it might be inconvenient. Um, I personally, I think, 
I don't know. I I might have related to Jer a little more than than Slanter, but I'm not sure exactly why that is. Yeah. Maybe because his magic isn't entirely real. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's let's put a pin in that one. Yeah, we need to come, come back, back to that. It's to a big that. it's a big um, deal. Because I do want to ask you one more thing about Slanter and maybe Riley, this one will go to you. Um the the King of the Silver River uh comes to Slanter. You remember this episode? Mm-hmm. Uh or sorry, he comes to Jer and tells Jer that uh that Garrett Jacks will be his protector. What does he tell him about Slanter? Is he another protector or his guide or something? Or maybe nothing at all. I don't remember him saying anything about Slanter. I don't think he mentioned Slanter. Anyway, anyway, there's this implication, though, when when Jer wakes up and Slanter comes back. He was gone. He's out of there. (laughs) And Slanter comes back, and there's this implication uh, where Jer wonders, did the King of the Silver River come to him, too, and tell him, no, you're going back. Mm -hmm. And it, it brought up this thing that is so often uh brought up in fantasy novels that i just can't stop wondering about and thinking about and that's free will Mm -hmm. versus predestination uh you know so did slanter really have to go with jer because it was destiny do you know what i mean i it's i'm not even necessarily looking for a yes or no answer here but just one of it's one of those things that i you know i struggle with because it's it's a very real question in in our human lives you know here in the real world uh what is what is predestined and mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. we do we really have any choice in certain matters that sort of thing i think that's why i like slanter because you know i had wondered that too i was like oh did he just kind of somehow take over slanter's mind and make him go back and kind of stay with him i always wondered that but I do think that in Slanter, you see that choice being made every single time. And so in that moment when he comes back, I'm like, yes. I don't know why. It was just like, because mm-hmm. I knew he would. I knew he'd come back. But when that moment and that choice was made, I think every time he makes that, it just shows that even though, yeah, like this grumpy old person that doesn't want to be there, there is something good about him. And so he's going to stick with it. And I think that's why he's such a redeeming character, because you see the struggle that he faces and then he still goes with what is quote right yeah so i have i love slanter i think he's a great part of the book uh any other points you guys want to bring up are you wanting to jump back to the to the magic discussion yes take the pin out so this book has probably the most um robust discussion about magic usage Mm -hmm. um and its ethics and what it means i mean you've got so much you can approach first of all break down the the most obvious and simple one jer's magic is does not affect reality it's mm-hmm. just illusion mm-hmm. whereas Bryn's is and that's why Bryn has to be the one to go destroy the Eldatch. but she can't do it without jer we learned that uh i just wondered if you guys had any thoughts about that in terms of why the wish song when it was passed to these children only one of them is real and one of them is fake and or illusion i won't say fake i don't know Hmm. Is it a yin and yang thing? Do you think it's necessary? Thing? Is that what you're saying? Like, I, that I'm was just, intentional from the very beginning? That's kind of... If, I, I'm just trying to... I've been playing with some ideas with that because uh, if we go back to Elfstones, we realize that there was a changed rod in Will when he used the Elfstones. And they say that that's what caused the Wish Song to be in his children. Now, was it just the fact that Amberly was born first and got the brunt of the magic and so Jairz was weaker? Or is it a matter of essentially almost good and evil where mm-hmm. the for the seed of evil the dark destructive child is Bryn, whereas the seed of good was jer I, I don't know 
I don't have a good answer to that. I just think that that's something that might have been explored there. Right, right. Or maybe it's just random, uh, like genetics. You know, like yeah. one, you know, like if you're <laughs> all the men's a, would all the men would have <laughs> fake powers and all the women would have real well, powers. Or so, you know, something like that's how it is. It's in real tied life, to so. it's tied to like color rods in your eyes. You know, <laughs> if your men are more likely to be colorblind. I don't know. I'm just kidding, but. Uh, I wonder if it yeah. is a yin and yang thing that kind of always needed to kind of happen. That and there is, was the black to the white. The it, I, How does this relate to us? You know, it, what is, I haven't considered the question yet. And so we don't necessarily have to answer it if we don't have a good answer. But what is the relationship between uh, illusion and reality, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and how we practice uh, not not magic, but our <laughs> our real world equivalents, you know, power, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a theme of like hope in illusion because, right, if we just focused on reality all the time, would you ever really have hope because sometimes reality sucks? I wouldn't but read fantasy. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe there is something to that. Illusion is what keeps us going forward because if you just focused on what was real, maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. At the same time, though, in in the very end of the book, it wasn't illusion. I, and this uh, Brooks kind of makes a point of this, that the thing that got Jer, the thing that allowed him to get Bryn out of her funk with the Ildatch was not illusion, but mm-hmm. it was reminding her of truth, right? Mm-hmm. So he was using his his illusion power for something that wasn't an illusion, you mm-hmm. know? And maybe that's maybe that's what the, the point is. I, I was thinking before, well, maybe it's that we need illusion, you know, something like the hope thing. But maybe it's really that, uh, you know, all of us can pretend to be what we're not. We can pretend to be cool. We can pretend to be like emotionless walls of awesomeness or whatever, whatever you think is cool. But in the end, maybe it's that, you know, some of us can actually do things and some of us can pretend and maybe we should just pretend reality. I don't know. Does that Fake make it sense till at you all? Make it? Yes. Well, maybe or or just I don't know. There's something about that. The point that like he had to use his power to remind her of what was true, not what was an illusion. The illusions didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing that finally allowed her to to escape from the clutches of the Ildatch on her soul or whatever were the memories of their childhood and of their relationship together as brother and sister and things like that. So I don't know. Well, and the illusion still played a part in the entire story. It, you know, got him to where he was. He used illusion all along the way. Mm-hmm. It's a good way for, I think, Brooks had a, a chance here to explore two separate approaches uh, with Bryn. You can actually change. You can affect change now. Mm-hmm. You use the wish song, you affect, but there's an effect when you do that. Mm-hmm. When she does it, she starts to get darker. Right. It tends to happen. Whereas Jer, his effect, it doesn't affect him the same way. Um but he has to figure out how to make his uh, illusions appear more or to be more real. Um, and I think maybe he was, it's entirely possible. He was just like, Hey, you know what? I like both of these approaches. Let's mm-hmm. put them in two separate characters and drive mm-hmm. them to the same spot and see how they would deal with their journeys in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think if Bryn was on Jer's journey, it would have been a whole lot easier for them mm-hmm. once she realized what she could do, but she would have been too dark by the time she got to the mail mord. Yeah. One of the questions I had with that magic is other people used the elf stones. Why were there no other people in this history that have had the wish song? So or are there? Did I miss that's that? That's a great question. Yeah, no, I, I, you may not. I mean, you missed it, but that's totally excusable, I, I think. there's uh, Because it's mostly implied, I think. Anyway, in the elf stones, when Will is trying to use the magic, he's like a quarter elf or an eighth mm-hmm. elf or something like that. He has 
much less elven blood flowing through him than Shay did, right? And so he has that wall in his mind when he tries to use the elf stones and he breaks through the wall and he uses them. And then both times that he successfully used the elf stones, uh, or maybe it was three times, uh, it he thinks about it. We, we hear the discussion of something breaking within him Mm -hmm. and he, you know, he doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know what this effect is, but something changed, something broke. And at the end of the, uh, at the end of Elfstones, we don't know what that was. Right. We are, it's never explained. And so nobody else has had to struggle so hard and combat their own body to use the elf stones in the way that Will did. So that's what affected okay. his Okay, so it really is children. like the first time this possibly yeah. ever could have happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what do we think happened to the elf stones? King of the Silver River took them. <laughs> He's just like, I- I'll have those, please. That was yeah. a weird moment. Didn't they, put on, didn't they find them at the end? Did they? They're in the house because JR goes in and checks to see and they oh, and to be are there. Oh, are they still there? Okay. They're there. Because their parents, part. the whole thing at their end is that their parents didn't even know they were gone. Yeah. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> At least they had the decency to end it with like, okay, we have a story to tell you. Right, like, right. We're, we're going to have that one. The, the completely it, was, it was all a dream. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, man. Oh, oh, I hate that. Uh, speaking of terrible tropes, uh, but this one isn't terrible. What are you guys' thoughts about the, the sword trope that we see over and over again ever since King Arthur, maybe even before that, mm-hmm. that the fabled sword must be drawn from something? So we have the Sword of Lee that mm-hmm. must be dipped in the Hagedorn mm-hmm. and then pulled free before it's a magic sword, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I, I don't really have a lot to say on this. This is not a, a deep comment or question, but I, I just I find that interesting that mm-hmm. that authors cannot resist going back to withdrawing the sword from, you know, whatever it was sheathed in. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, Ryan. <laughs> the only reason I, I I can even remotely rebut that is actually because I'm addicted to uh, the Stormlight Archive series, and that's not a never comes up. They don't they don't draw the shard blades out of anything. They form. They just appear in their hands. All oh, right. So is that what happens when they first acquire the shard blades, though? Yes. Oh, okay. That's cool. They're they bind themselves with the shard blades, and they can draw them. It takes 10 heartbeats, they with, and they draw them to their hands. Huh. Well, okay. It. So it's not I, in every, but it is, I do think it's in most, and I find it interesting that most of the swords in fantasy literature, they go through a process of being imbued with something because they're right. just, a, they're a tool until something happens to it, and it's often being dipped in the in the river or, you know, reforged by the elven fires mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. <laughs> so I don't know if there's anything super... You know, special about that. Other than it's just we got to set this sword. This sword is different. It's yeah. been imbued with a special mission or. A special did you power. guys? A uh, quick aside. Did you guys ever catch in the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, the book, not the movie, that Frodo must draw Sting? Mm-hmm. Um, Bilbo takes Sting out of its packaging and he sh- he he shoves it point first into this wooden pillar in the room that they're chatting in, and then Frodo must draw it out of the wood mm-hmm. to acquire it. Anyway, yeah, yeah, there you go. Maybe there is a theme there. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, any points that you wanted to bring up? Uh, well, this has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about, but I really That's liked. Perfect. I really <laughs> liked that Alanon died 
I know that's yes. a horrible thing to say, but it was interesting because for the first part of the book, I was kind of thinking, you know, this trilogy really should be called something like the trilogy of the Druid or something because he is <laughs> right. mm-hmm. the only character that's in all three books. And he's the one who, by the end, you're like, okay, well, he's the one who makes everything start. He's, he's the, the R2-D2 of the Shinar series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, basically, who knows everything and won't tell anybody, uh, but, but yeah, makes it all happen. And then uh, kind of like with the destruction of the Ildatch, like, okay, this is more final than the other books. You're like, oh, well, Alanon's dead. That's pretty final, right? And I kept, my expectation was that at some point in the book, he kept talking about, you know, am I going to find somebody to train to be my replacement druid to carry on the art of druidry? <laughs> druidry. <laughs> trademark. I just trademarked that word. <laughs> um, and, and I was thinking, yeah, at the end of the book, it's going to be Jer, maybe Bryn. Like, they're going to become druids, right? And then they're, they're going to live forever, and they're going to be like magical elf wish song druid hybrids, right? Uh-huh. And it didn't happen. He died too soon, you know? And it, in in a way, it, it just makes it seem a lot more complete that, like, yeah, this this era really is over. That's it, you know? Alanon's dead, the last of the Druids, this connection they had with the past, and, and in a sense, too, an obligation to kind of keep that old story going of the Druids and, and Brona and Bre- Bremen and all those bro people, you know, like... <laughs> uh, bros? Yeah, all the bros, yeah. It's over though, and anyway, I like that. So, well, uh, I wouldn't say it's over. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, Alanon is over, ish, ish. Um, well, I mean, it, it feels over. I haven't read the other books. So I don't know. Spoiler alert: Alanon shows up much like Bremen does, just as a shade. People okay, go well. visit him. So, but yeah, he is dead. Uh, Walker Bow. He is dead. Um, the second coolest walker after Texas Ranger. <laughs> uh, Alanon, I wish Alanon, yeah, like you say, I wish this was kind of like his trilogy mm-hmm. in in name more than just attitude. Uh, partly because if you guys go back and look at the original cover art for Wish Song, uh, the one I lent you, Andrew, is the mm-hmm. new one. Uh, there's an original that has a great illustration of Alanon pointing the way into the male mord. Uh, mm-hmm. And he has Bryn and Roan in front of him. And he's just this, he's a giant man, totally cowled. You can't see his face. And he looks very old and frail. Somehow the artist made him look really old and frail. Mm. I loved that aspect of him in this book. And I loved seeing him on the cover as a kid. It really drew me in in mm. a big way. I think this series would be a bit of a failure, though, if you took it as it is and labeled it the Alanon series, because <laughs> until you hit Wish Song, there is no depth to Alanon other than his mysteriousness. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, That's whereas at this side, you actually get to see him having to face his own mortality and deal right. with with that aspect. Yeah. Um, I do have a complaint about Alanon that I just I can't get over. He's supposed to be this incredibly powerful druid. He's got all the, you know, this all of Paranor that he had that they've sealed up and everything. Every time he uses his magic, it's blue fire. Nothing else. <laughs> he never does anything but blue fire. And the blue fire shot from his hands. I'm like, well, why not do something else? I feel I feel like that's not quite true. He does vanish Paranor, which was awesome. I'm, yeah. I loved that that's scene. And that was true. green. That so was green. And he can color. also walk Plus, through paths in the woods without leaving any footprints. Remember there you that. Go. He can do one. that too. That's magical. Um, wow, he and ninjas, they're right <laughs> up there. <laughs> uh, he also marks Bryn. That's With his own blood. blood. Yeah, he marks her. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. As, and he says, your uh, descendants will be my uh, what re- replacements. Hmm. I, I don't know what's the word there. 
Uh, but the, they will be the next druids. Huh. It won't be you. So it's not over. <laughs> Sorry, there are approximately <laughs> there are 25 more. more books to go. I, I guess you have to have some druids in those 25 <laughs> books, right? right. Well, l- let me just tell you, it's totally okay, because who else are you going to have, have a showdown with the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse other than a druid? Yeah, good question. Oh, man. You guys really need to read Heritage. It's so good. Uh, so it really is 25 books based uh, well, on the Shannara let me, idea. Uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break from this book for me to, to kind of lay it out for you a little bit. He wrote this, this original trilogy um, and then went on to the four book heritage cycle. And I can't remember if it was before that or, you know, sometime around then he started working on some other books. Uh, the Landover series isn't technically tied in to Shannara. But it's, uh, I think it's six books now, about to be seven. Uh, wow. Fantastic, wonderful books about a, a Chicago lawyer who goes and inherits a magical kingdom. And it's wonderful. Hmm. You should absolutely read it. But then uh, another one was a trilogy, uh, uh, Running with the Demon, and it's two sequels. Uh, I think I'm getting the first one right. Anyway, uh, but it's urban fantasy. This girl, again, I think she's in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, but she accesses magic and there's all these crazy things that happen to her. And that, he actually took that trilogy, that urban fantasy one, and made it the beginning of the Shannara series. And so you start in our present day and there are these magic users that that wander the earth and then there's the cataclysm, the great wars, and Mm. humanity is wiped out. And then he starts back up with the quote-unquote Shannara books with the genesis of Shannara and how kind of some of the races, the new races came to be and uh, and how this small group of people uh, were able to protect humanity from extinction and they, you know, they use magic for all this stuff. Uh, and so it, it's really kind of disjointed if you read it in the publishing order. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's the, so if you count all these things together, there's a good two dozen at least mm-hmm. books that you could read about this story. Plus there's a, I learned from the Wikipedia article, there's a little short story called Indomitable. Yes. Which have you guys read that? Which I have is not the, yet. The after story for Wish Song of Shannara. He Shannara. wrote that. Yeah. He wrote that much later. Mm-hmm. And so I, I haven't gone back and read it. What is it? Have you, did you read it? No, I oh, haven't okay. read it. I just know it exists. It's well then set, why'd you bring it up? Andrew? It's set two years <laughs> after. Well, I just wanted to know if you guys had read it. So it's set two years after this book ends and then something happens in it <laughs> <laughs> what an accurate so, book. so we'll probably have to go read it and then we'll know but anyway nice so the question i have for craig and ryan um those of you who have read more terry brooks books than mm-hmm. us what are you what is your opinion of him because like, like you keep person? on saying no as a writer it's oh, like you okay. say oh the shannara is such but then oh it gets wonderful and great and incredible and amazing so is he really like one of the best and like would you how would you compare him to other fantasy writers like what place does he hold i think i've read a lot more of him than you have ryan but probably i know you've read some more mm-hmm. what what do you think um let me let me preface this with with this thought first um of all his works these are the three that are known and that's partially for a reason mm-hmm. the rest of them are really good but most people won't de- de- dig deep enough to get to them because you're going through a lot of stuff to get to the, what was really to the other stuff that's really good um i think as an author he is absolutely one of the names um 
that will be known from in this generation of great fantasy authors, and deservedly so. Uh, do I think he's the best of this time? No, I don't. Uh, but I would definitely put him in a top five. Hmm. Yeah, he... Um, I have read a lot. I won't claim to have read all of his books, but I've read most of them. And what happened was with this original trilogy, he, as he mentions it you know he was kind of getting his sea legs and he was figuring out how to write a book and how to structure a story how to draw characters all that stuff he figures it out and then follow several books not just the four volume cycle that i've mentioned many times already but several books after that that are very very good uh new settings new characters new technologies new magic and uh, and it's a lot of fun to read i highly recommend them at a certain point he fell into a bit of a rut, um, and a lot of his books, his writing style never progressed. It never got any different or better, uh, and so you it, it's a bit like reading Robert Jordan, and you, you know, you read <laughs> The Wheel of Time, and you get to book six or seven, and you're just like, oh my gosh, can we please? Uh, so it's a bit like that, uh, but uh, some of his later stuff, he went back and revisited some of his other series, so he wrote another Landover novel, and I think that kind of jarred him. Uh, out of his funk a little bit and I'm, I'm enjoying him quite a lot again I think you, if you read up um, there's kind of a common consensus that some of his novels are hit or miss and what I like to call the mid-season episode stylings that are <laughs> nice. just kind of yeah we just got to fill until we can get to the next you know to the next part of the story that we really want to tell um, and I think you'll it, it's going to be a matter of personal preference uh, I've heard a lot of uh, harping on the voyage of Gerald of Gerald Shannara. I liked but. those books quite a lot, actually. Um, another one, it's the uh, the High Druid of Shannara. I want to say uh, anyway. There's uh, you remember from Elfstones, the demons were locked in the Forbidding. Mm-hmm. You ever wonder what it was like in there? Oh yeah. He goes back and explains it. He sends one of his main characters into the Forbidding, uh, and it's a suck. really cool adventure. Um, it's, that's one of my favorite things about reading him is if you are willing to put in some time and it's not like you have to read, you know, a book a week and just tear through all these, you can take a long time and enjoy Shannara for years and years. But if you do take the time, you read this original trilogy and some of the other foundational works, uh, from the series, then he finds those little things the interesting tidbits like what is the forbidding Mm -hmm. what did happen with those elf stones uh what what are the true powers and limitations of the wish song and he goes on in these other series and and talks about those things ryan's about to spit something at me sorry i was just i was reading up on something really quick and it brought another character to my to mind that I want to talk about just briefly because he brings something new to the to this universe. Uh, oh, Coglin, there you go. Yes, Coglin. Oh yeah. Because he introduces this concept of the old magics that even mm-hmm. the even the Mord Wraiths don't know about, and and what is it basically? It's chemistry. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like gunpowder. Like when he run when he runs out the first time and he throws a black powder in the flames and goes poof. And when I'm like, hey, that's probably gunpowder is what it is or <laughs> yeah. something, something like that. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, and I don't want to spoil too much, but he plays a fairly pivotal role later in the heritage. So he's around, he's around for a while. Um, but just that that still exists, that, that additional magic. Uh, I think he, he's an interesting character to, to look at for a little bit because yeah. not just because of the magics, but he's crazy, buries himself once a year. <laughs> yeah, he's thing. great. Right, right. But I really like him and his uh, granddaughter, the, who will also 
at least her descendants will play a large role in the future. By mm-hmm. the way, naming characters is really tough, but Kimber Bo, love that name. <laughs> Such a great name. Yeah. Uh, all right. So one of my last questions for you guys is the wish song filmable. And and I asked that because of the wish song itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wondered who they would cast for that. <laughs> and you got to select probably Josh a, Groban. A good song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. No, probably. so what I'm what I'm thinking is no, it is not filmable. You cannot put the wish song in uh, on film. Mm-hmm. It, it would it's it would seem ridiculous. It's wonderful on the page. I think mm-hmm. it's a great uh, literary piece there. But uh, I'm thinking if. The Shannara Chronicles, this season one that we're watching right now, if that is at least moderately successful and they order uh, a sequel, then they'll go on and they'll do the Wish song, but mm-hmm. they won't call it that, and the magic will just be magic. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, I, this, yeah, that's my prediction. That. This is something I've wondered about the Wish song. It seems like sometimes people can hear them actually singing. And sometimes they don't. Yeah. Right. So, like, if you're making a whole troop of people invisible the gnomes are going to notice if they can hear you singing, right? Whatever right. the song sounds like, they're going to mm-hmm. notice it. So it's, it's almost like you're, you're, not com- you're a computer programmer <laughs> and you have to insert a line of code that Something, says, you yeah. can't hear me. Exactly, right? yeah, yeah. That like Part of the Wish song is that you can't hear it. And once again, that's still going to be hard to film however they do it, you know, if, yeah. they, if they decide to. But, but I, I, yeah, but other times it does seem like at least Jer and Bryn can hear each other's Wish songs and maybe some other people can hear it too. But it just like makes their ears bleed if it's painful or whatever. <laughs> right. you know? I don't. Well, I'm going to say two things. First, I absolutely believe you can film this with with song. Yes, and like mm-hmm. in the style of Gallivant. No, <laughs> no. What you would do is the moment the wish song is employed, you you have to treat your camera, your angles, your foot, everything you shoot is all about what's happening to the people. And it's just a, it's a, an like over a the shoulder. Think, yeah. think of it. Yeah. Well, it's not, you know, not even necessarily an over the shoulder shot, but just think of, um, like that high pitched buzzing that you hear sometimes, mm-hmm. like almost your audio in the, in the show is just going to be something that's just barely noticeable yeah. while your screen is right. alteration and, you know, Movement chaos and everything and, yeah. else that's going on. Uh, you can absolutely do, I think you can absolutely do that. Um, inside the tv series it might get a little tiring after so many episodes if they try and utilize it any yeah. more than it's actually utilized in the story mm-hmm. and which we is not know, all that much right. no it, it's mm-hmm. not really kind of like the Elfstones back in Elfstones. yeah but i don't think that um i don't know that hearing the wish song is a big problem because i think at one point jer is just humming Mm-hmm. And he still uses it. That's true. It's yeah. a bit more of an about intent, and so you have a bunch of gnomes walking by, and all of a sudden. Well, isn't the part when he's in the forest trying to make himself invisible? He mimics forest sounds, so it's not actually like a song, but and it's. I bet you the I bet you the wish song could also be in, you could include in your wish song to have audible yeah. sounds of what's around you. The right, wish right. the wish rap. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you just make it whatever you want as long as it's your voice. Straight out of Colhaven. Nice. Oh. <laughs> That was very good. That was very bad, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Very bad. No, I liked it. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, any any last thoughts? Uh, We're going to go around the horn quick. Uh, Do you recommend the book and why uh, to uh, to somebody who isn't necessarily a hardcore Shannara person already? 
I liked it. I recommend it. Um, I liked it because uh, Bryn was awesome. I liked the brother-sister dynamic with Jaron Bryn. And I liked that al died. Nice. So there you go. Okay. I recommend it only if you read the other three. I think it's, I don't think it's a standalone. And I think it's, it's kind of nice to see the progression of his writing of the characters and kind of end it with that. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is a good ending. And I like that Alanon died as well because I think he needed to, it was a little bit tiring. I would be tired if I were him. So he needs that long rest. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan. I only recommend this to someone who is already a fan of fantasy. Yeah. That's, that's what I would go along with too. Fair enough. Yeah. I wouldn't want to hand somebody who doesn't care about fantasy much this story on its own or even Elf's own. I think there are better introductions to it, but I do think that for someone who enjoys the fantasy genre, I would actually say read Elfstones, read Wish Song, and then go back and read Sword. Maybe read Sword. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Riley, if I'm remembering right, you have not historically been a big fan of fantasy, right? You're a relative newcomer. Am I remembering correct? Oh, not that I'm historically not a fan. It's just something I'm discovering you know, a greater appreciation she's for not she, yeah. she's not not a fan she's yeah, just no not i mean i read <laughs> like i loved hobbit i read hobbit when i was in sixth grade that was the first fantasy book i'd ever read yeah and ever since then i've read them kind of periodically but never kind of dug in that's the only genre i stay in sure but i think the resurgence of these newer authors um it's just much easier to kind of get into the fantasy genre so, yeah, so i'm that's, there i'm definitely there and i've been there yeah. for a long time it's just not as with the new, Prominent. with the newer authors, um, you know, Brandon Sanderson plug yeah. 2016, Brandon Sanderson reading challenge, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. I, sorry. It's I'm, just a lot of books. No, uh, I, I, I'm reading the words of, I'm re- reading words of radiance right now. Yeah. And I know we're supposed to be reading Alloy of Law. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but you can't stop. <laughs> but I can't yeah, stop. But, yeah, with, so with these newer authors, yeah, I think it is a lot easier to get into them. They have a much faster-paced mm-hmm. uh, cinematic writing style. Uh, and so that's kind of one of the reasons I, I ask you about it is because Terry Brooks or we read uh, David Eddings. These guys back in the 70s, the 80s, they did not have that style. It's much slower. It's much more about world building, especially at first. And so, yeah, I wonder Mm -hmm. about that. It can be tough to get into. And that's why I was a little frustrated with myself in my response to this, because I really wanted to love it Uh because I knew it had more of, it was an older style, a new, like an older author. It wasn't the cinematic, like even romantic. I feel like most of the new ones have a high theme of romance in mm. there. That's easy to grab grab onto. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to like these more than I did. So I was a little disappointed in that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I definitely love the Wish song. I mean, I, I said it in my intro. I regard this as the strongest of the three by quite a, a wide margin. Although I do, I, I like Sword a lot and I love Elfstones, but I think Wish song has something something in its emotional um, and philosophical content that the others lack. Um, not that he didn't try, but he really he he really hit the mark a lot better with this one. So, yeah, but I think I'm with you, Ryan. Um, maybe not for everybody. If you're a fan of fantasy, you're going to love this one. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, uh, maybe skip it and go read Mistborn or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I guess we'll wrap it up, you guys. Um Thank you again to uh, both of you for coming on, uh, Andrew and Riley. Ryan, I'm not going to thank you because uh, <laughs> you have to be here. Yes, contractually obligated. I sold my soul to him earlier 
just it's, happened. It was a big mess, you guys. Yeah. Uh, and uh, thank you to all of you for listening and uh, hopefully for reading along. If you have any notes, uh, things that we missed, uh, things you loved, things you hated, things you agreed with, or you know want to throw us down a manhole for saying, let me know. Email us, thelegendarianpodcast at gmail.com or hit up our website. We've got a contact page there. Uh, we also have a forum where you can address us at worldswithoutend.com. If you want to stray from subjects other than Brandon Sanderson, I'm okay with that. I will respond. Uh, so we would love to hear from you. And uh, you will hear from us again in just a few weeks as we start that reading challenge. We will be starting with Alloy of Law, which is the first book in the second Mistborn cycle. Uh, Kind of. Kind of. Yeah, we. It's a standalone preparation piece to the trilogy that's coming. (laughs) It's weird. It's, yeah. That's not at all confusing. (laughs) Yeah, he, uh, yeah, we'll get to that later. I don't want to get into it now. Uh, But we will be reading Alloy of Law. I don't have the schedule. Ryan, do you have the schedule on you? February 12th is our air date, I believe. Okay, I better get reading. Uh, So I'm going to go and start reading. Have a good week, you guys. The Legendarium Podcast is sponsored by Audible, the world's leading source of audiobooks. Follow along with our current series or enjoy some of the classics by visiting thelegendariumpodcast.com, where you can sign up for your free trial membership. Click the sponsor link on our website for a free audiobook. Hi, this is Terry Brooks. You're listening to the Legendary... Legendarium... (laughs) (laughs) See, I can't do it. It's been a long damn day, let me tell you. And I'm burned out.